Um, just a couple of quick advertisements for you. Um, in addition to the Habitat thing this spring, we are also are, uh, we have a group going to Galveston uh, to rebuild after the hurricane. That's April 25th through the 29th, I believe. 19th through 25th. Uh, never trust me on dates. 19th through the 25th. Uh, you can come and go on that. Since it's so close, we don't have to go as a whole group. Uh, we've got housing arranged and things like that. Uh, if we take those pictures we saw of the Austin area, multiply them by a lot worse with the mold and everything else and the ravage that was done. And, and know that Galveston just got hit this last summer. They're in dire, but you can go back to New Orleans. That, how many years ago was that? And it's still in horrid condition. And so if you would like to, to do that, uh, there's that opportunity for you. And Bertina Schreiber is standing in the back right there. Uh, and she would be happy to share that information with, with you. And uh, so just want to let you know. And there's information about it on the website as well. Well, we have been talking about what it means to uh, uh, what it means to offer the love of Christ to anyone and everyone, and we we have uh, we've we've been tr- trying to do that as a way of reminding ourselves what the church is to be about and and what what our job is as the church that we fall into these traps and of of self centeredness and 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 wanting things for ourselves and and it's not that we're bad people or it's it's just our human nature we we naturally are selfish and 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 then when you sort of religiousize that's not a word but uh, uh make uh something holy out of some of our bad habits then we then we think they're good habits and and then through the before you know it we end up doing all these things in the church that really make no sense and and really are counterproductive and really are counter to what God had intended us to do. Just yesterday, I, there was a conference meeting and uh, went to it. You know, it's a church here in town, and I just it's one of my little habits. I, I counted all the no signs in the church, and there, there were all over. There was no coffee. There was uh, no coffee in the sanctuary, no, no donuts, no food. Uh, in the bathroom, there was instructions for us, no this, no that, no that. The only permission I got through signage in the church building, was to please flush the toilet. That was the only place where I was allowed, where I was told to do something. And, and that one I don't get. I, I mean, I understood that when I was in Kentucky. That you had to remind people to flush the toilet because they're used to outhouses. But Austin, that sort of surprised me that uh, I need to be reminded of that. But how many times, why, why and, and, and that's, and that I'm not telling you church name because that's not what they intend. And I know that. And I'm, uh, but it's just a, it's an example of how accidentally we send these messages that we don't intend to. Where accidentally, instead of, you know, in, in our mind, oh, well, we don't want coffee in the sanctuary because that's the place where God lives and we don't want the carpet stained. Well, first of all, God doesn't live here. He lives here. Second of all, uh, they used to sacrifice animals at his house, and the blood makes a lot more stain than coffee. So, uh, but we we just send these these mixed messages to to people, 
And then we wonder why they don't want to be with us. And one of the messages we send over and over again is God loves you unless you're one of those. God loves you unless you've done this. God loves you unless... And, and, and that's one of the messages. So that's why we're, we're spending some time doing this. I just want to let you know, uh, we'll, we'll finish this up next week. And then the following week, we're, we're going to move into talking about we want to minister to anyone and everyone. But the other part of our, our vision statement there is we want to be a church that does anything and everything to share that love. And uh, we'll, we'll pick that up in a couple weeks. And then we'll move it. That moves us into Easter. Uh, so you can make your Easter plans. We're going to have all three services outside. Uh, they'll be during the, the normal time. That gives us more room for you to invite friends. At worst, it means we're going to have some rain and we can move everything back in. So uh, that uh, we could use the rain. I'm doing my part. Every time I schedule an outdoor service, it rains. So I'm trying to, I'm helping the drought. So, uh, but that's our plans. We'll have a couple Easter egg hunts for the kids. One will be right before this service. One will be after the 12 o'clock service. It'll be a great day. And so I just want to let you know about that. And hopefully we'll be able to put some of the stuff we've been talking about into practice. What we want to talk about this morning is a concept about people changing. Okay? Um, do we believe that, that people can change? Do, do we really think that people can change their, their behavior, their character, who they are? Now, women, I need you on this one because you believe this. From the moment you started dating, you believe this. You're, you held this fast that, that after just months, May, a hard case, maybe a couple years, but after, after a couple years of being in your presence, you would be able to take that poor man and turn him into who you wanted him to be, right? You had that hope, and, and that's a lot of the job I do in, in premarital counseling with people is trying to say, hey, come on. Uh, you need to know if you love them the way they are, because chances are they're not going to change that much. And, and But Joking aside, do, do we believe that people can change? Before you, before you rush to your Sunday school answer of Jesus, yes, not, before you rush to that, I want you to have in mind someone who has done something wrong to you. Someone who has crossed a line with you. Someone who has uh, pushed a boundary, who has... Uh, hurt your feelings, who has harmed your family. Who, I want you to have that person in mind. Envision them walking into this church, walking up to the front to the join. Do you celebrate that fact or do you grit your teeth and say, if people only knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be welcome here? You see, this is... This is the reason I'm, I'm going here is because this, this is one of those areas that if we're not careful, we can fall into some bad habits. Yeah, we can say, easy, I mean, the, we can say Jesus loves you all we want. We, we can sing the songs. We can put it on our buildings. We can send out postcards. We can, we can show them where it is in the Bible. But unless they see it reflected in the way we act towards one another, it's meaningless. And a lot of times, we, one of the standards we hold, one of the 
barriers that we have with other people is the not wanting to let go of past hurt. Do we believe that God can make a difference in people's lives? Do we believe that people can change? Do we believe that someone who has had a horrible past can can become a new person? Well, we're going to use a, an example from the Scriptures from the New Testament this morning. Uh, but I just want to give you a couple ideas before we go for it. First of all, as we talk about this, can people change? My answer to that is no. They can't. Um, yeah, women, help me on this. How many of your guys that you thought you were going to mold into the perfect husband, how many of them are there? And just because they're sitting by you, don't, you don't win any points by that. You know. No, no. We basically have the same problems, okay? People cannot change, but God can change people, okay? We talked about this at the beginning of the year. If, if you're trying to do everything by willpower and thinking it into existence, you're going to fail. People can't change, but God can change people, okay? That's, that's one of our our ways of looking at it. Number one, and number two, are you supposed to accept the person that hurt you? Is it possible that that person who's hurt you in the past, is it possible that that person you have something against, is it possible that person who made a mistake, should we accept them? And my answer to that is God accepted you, didn't he? we've, We've needed to remind ourselves of the gospel over and over here. We've needed to remind ourselves that we all come from a place of need. We all come from a place of mistakes. We all come from a place where we have failed. And God reached to us in that place, offered us relationship, and made us a new person. In fact, the, the picture we have of baptism, if, if that, that symbol of what Christi, uh, the beginning of a new life in Christianity uh, the symbol we have there is that the old person, that with all the old mistakes, all the, all the old garbage, that as you go into the water, that old person dies. The, the, the old is taken away. And as they come out of the water, they are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the, the picture of the new life we have. And it's, it's not that they, the magic does anything, uh, the water is magic or anything. What it has to do with, it's, it's that that's the gospel for us. That in our weakness, God offered his son in our place because none of us deserved a relationship with him. And when we accept what he gave us, we, we live in the reality of his offering, not, not ours. So can people change? Not usually, but God can change people. And he changes them through grace. He changes them for, through mercy. He changes them through, uh, through love. So as a church, as the body of Christ, are we to be willing to accept people that have made mistakes? Let's take a look at the... We're going we're gonna to be in a book maybe you've never even heard of, and if you Turn one too many pages, you'll miss it because it's only one page in most Bibles. It's uh, Philemon. It's right before Hebrews in your Bible if you're trying to find it there. It's in the New Testament, Philemon. It's a letter written by Paul. Uh, Paul, remember, was the missionary that, that 
had gone, gone out to start churches. He was taking the, the gospel message, the message of Jesus, beyond the Jewish world into the, the rest of the world. He started churches. He started uh, different um, belief groups. Uh, along the way, he picked up some friends who were helping him doing that, most notably Timothy, who, who in today's terminology would have been like his associate pastor, uh, his mentor, uh, mentee. Uh, he had sort of... Um, trained him up. He was a young man and he was training him up as how to, how to be a preacher and how to, how to lead a community. He had been arrested for, for this. He would, I'm not going to go into all of that, but it was against Roman law to publicly proclaim. Um, and he was arrested. And while he was in prison, people would go and visit him. And the way, the way these groups would support him was by, by sending food, by sending money, by, by going and spending time with him, talking through the window to keep him uh, from being bored and lonely and, and depressed. And uh, throughout the years, he, he had um, been supported through this. This letter we're about to read is him writing one of his contacts. And what, I'll read the letter, and uh, I'm going to read the whole book to you. It's one page, so don't panic. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing to you. When we get to verse 8, Carly's going to put it up there because there's one section I want you to, that's what we're really going to concentrate on, but uh, I want you to hear the whole letter. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give grace and peace to you. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That's why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this a request for me, Paul, an old man now, and also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems Omnisimus ran away for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer a slave to you. He is more, he is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand that I will repay it. And I won't even mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. And one more thing, please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will return your prayers and let me return to you soon. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, Paul. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Okay, there's lots of names in there, and I'll stumble over these, but Omnisimus, that's not a good name to say fast uh, over and over, but uh, let, me, let me just put, encapsulate the story for you, okay? Philemon is Paul's friend. Philemon and Paul had a good relationship. Paul had led Philemon to the Lord. Philemon is now uh, leading a church in his own home. He is, he is now a spiritual leader in the community. Philemon, and, and we know now this is not the way to run things, but then it was common. Philemon had household servants, slaves. One of them was named Omnisimus. Omnisimus had stolen from Philemon and not only stolen from him, then ran away. Both of those punishable by death, by the law. You, he could have, under Roman or Jewish law, he could have had Omnisimus put to death for that for running away, and from stealing from him. While Omnisimus is on the road, somehow he gets hooked up with Paul, and, which is funny because Paul's in prison, so maybe he met him in prison. We don't know why, but somehow they met. And, and through that conversation, Paul leads Omnisimus to, to Christ. And so this letter is from Paul writing back to Philemon to try to get Philemon to be willing to accept Omnisimus back into his home. Okay, We're going to take a look at that because I think we all have some situations like this in, in, our, in our life. You know? What Paul's saying is, hey, he started, Paul always does this in his letters. Hey, Philemon, you're a great guy. man. I, I love the way you love the Lord. I love the way that you want to try to serve him. It makes me happy every time I think about it. And by the way, I've got a request of you, all right? And that's the way I'm going to start with you. I think you're here this morning because you want to serve the Lord. I think you're here this morning because you have a desire to become more like him. I think you're here this morning. I think you do this whole Christian thing because you know that there's a better way out there. I'm just going to, I'm going to let you know now it's not always the easiest way. It doesn't make sense. Dr. Phil probably will disagree with me half the time. Oprah's going to disagree with me. Um, a lot of those people we put out there as knowing what they're talking about may not agree with all the time with what Scripture says. But I think if you're willing to accept God's counsel, it will make a difference in your life. Okay? By layman. Now, what had this poor guy done? Take away the slavery part. We know he had a slave. We know that's wrong, okay? But that was business in his time of the day. What had Philemon done wrong? Nothing. He, he had done nothing. He was the victim in this relationship. Omnisimus had screwed him over. Omnisimus had stolen from him. And, and slavery is different than we think about in terms of, of like the history of the United States. Really, they were, they were more a part of the household. Philemon had offered him, had given him the things that he deserved. He had given him everything that, that was owed to him. Omnisimus took advantage of it and stole from him. And then not only stole from him, and then ran away, cheating him out of what was, was due him. Philemon's the victim here. And I bet you there's a lot of people in this room that can identify with Philemon. Somewhere, somewhere down the, somehow down the road, there has been someone in your life who has crossed a line with you. 
who butted up against you, who stole from you, who took something from you, who cheated against you, who somehow they, they have screwed you over. And that's the person I need to have in mind with you. And the thing that rises up within us when we think about that person is, ooh, yeah, I want to get them. I want to get them. I'm going to make them pay. I, they, they stole $20 from They're going to pay a lot more than $20. I'm going to... And for a lot of you, you've been hanging on to this stuff for so long that the story has blown up in your mind to where now it's so much bigger than what it actually started as, and they've become so much more evil than what they really were in your mind because of the anger and the resentment you have. And so... That's the person I want you to have in mind, okay? And Paul's writing to you, and he says, hey, I know what he did, and I'm sending him home to you, but I, and I want you to accept him and look past this. Wow. Before we rush to our Sunday school answer, would you, would you be willing to let that person back in? Would you be willing to open your door again to that person? Would you be willing to risk the chance that they're going to hurt you again? Well, that's, that's a hard question. You know, the gospel is very simple in, in, in what, it, what it says. That we all need a Savior, that we all fall short, and that God took care of that for us by sending His Son. And when we connect with Him that out of our weakness, he, we can be in relationship with him, that we can be forgiven for everything that we've done, that we can have a new life, and, and that we, we have an eternity with a, with a loving God. That's simple. But the, the things that Christianity lead us to, the life circumstances that we have to live them out, a lot of times they're tough, and this is one of those tough ones. We are supposed to allow someone who stepped on us to step on us again. We're, 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 supposed to, we're supposed to take someone who stabbed us in the back and bring them back into our circle. We're supposed to, we're supposed to take someone who's made a, a mistake and offer them the chance to do it again. See, this is how, as churches, we... we we fall into bad habits because our human nature says no way. Absolutely not. And we can justify that. And you can actually go through the scripture and you could pick out some verses. Whenever you want to just proof text, you can find something in the Bible that says anything. I mean, I could go stab you in the eye and then look up the verse that says eye for an eye, you know. And without any context or anything, I could say, well, it says in the Bible, I can eye for an eye. We can, we can justify things in any way, but if we're wanting to live this life out, we've got to make some tough choices. And Paul's saying, Philemon, are you, willing to, are you willing to let him back in? But before we go there, let's, let's talk about Omnisimus, because Omnisimus is, is, this is the hope in the story. Omnisimus was a stealing, thieving runaway slave who now is a brother in Christ who wants to do nothing more than serve God. And the skeptical part of our mind says, oh yeah, 
It's like when we read about a death row inmate giving him his life over to Christ. You know, well, that's just fire insurance, man. He just, he just wanted to be sure. Cover his bases. What's this going to hurt? He's going to die in two days. You know, we have that skeptical thing going on within our mind. Well, yeah. Well, number one, who are you to judge? Who's what the heart of a person is? And if we are to ju- if we're to judge anything throughout the scripture, it says if you're going to judge anything about another person, judge the fruit of their relationships. And obviously, the fruit of the relationship between him and Paul is positive. He's been he's been ministering to Paul. He's been taking care of him. He's been sacrificing his time and energy to take care of Paul. He's now wanting to make things right with Philemon. Paul's probably been in counseling with him, saying, "Hey, dude." I'm glad you gave your life over to Christ, but you got this thing hanging in your background. You're going to have to take care of it. You're not going to be able to move forward until you get that weight off of you. And Omnesimus is going, if I go home, he's going to kill me. Literally. Omnesimus is an example of the fact that people might not be able to change, but God can change people. This self-centered person who, who just stole from stole what he wanted, stepped on boundaries, stepped on rules, stepped on laws, stepped on people, has now become a new creation. See, this is the gospel message. This, this is that thing that we, we celebrate in the church, that God can change people. And you know what? If we're honest with it, the one that we can celebrate the most is that God changed us. When I look at Omnesimus, and if I have people that I'm, I'm struggling with this about, of could God actually change? I have to stop myself and say, well, if God could change my sorry story, then why couldn't he change them? If God could take care of me and meet me where I was at, then why wouldn't he be able to do that with someone else? You see, if we, if we want to be recipients of the gospel, then we also have to be sharers in the gospel The grace that God offers us isn't supposed to just stop on us. It's supposed to come in and then out of us. We're supposed to be vehicles of it, not barriers or obstacles to it. Omnisimus tells us, Omnisimus is the example in this story that God really can do what he says he he wants to do. Look at other stories in the Bible. We can look at Peter. Peter's the easiest example. Loudmouth Peter, fisherman Peter, Selfish Peter, egotistical Peter. I'm never going to do anything to disappoint you. These other guys are idiots, but I'll always be their God. And then he denies God, denies Christ three times. Flat out denies him. Jesus gives him another chance. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. We read about him in the book of Acts. The same guy who couldn't even tell a 12-year-old girl that he knew Jesus is now standing in front of 6,000 people telling him, about who Jesus Christ is. That same guy ends up going all the way to the cross himself for his belief. You don't think that the power of Christ can change people? It happens all the time. God has the ability to take the worst case scenario and turn it into something positive. God can change people. The question is, as we are, is, Are we, as the body of Christ, are we giving those people a chance to live out that new life? 
Are we, are we willing to accept them, even knowing the bad, are we willing to accept them into our place? Are we willing to get over our hurt to give them the chance to become the people God wanted them to be? This is hard. This is why I cannot preach in Canyon City, Colorado. Those of you that don't know, that's my hometown. That's where I grew up. And too many people know too many stories about me there. And there, it would be impossible for me to preach there because so many people would not be able to get past the David they knew and the David I am now. But God changes people. Are we going to be a body? Is this a place where we can accept people even with their mistakes, even knowing what they've done wrong, even though they were a butt in our neighborhood meeting, even though we know that they ripped off that person, even though we know whatever it is you know, would we be able to welcome them here? Now, a couple caveats for you. A lot of times people misconstrue Christian mercy with being doormats, okay? If someone comes into our church who has been convicted of financial fraud, we don't make them the finance chairperson, okay? That, that, that's not loving to them, that's not loving to us, and it's just stupid to boot, okay? You, you don't put yourself in those same situations. If someone has a sexual predator past or whatever, you don't put them in the nursery, as, as a babysitter. That's just common sense. We, we, we don't put ourselves in... Okay, so don't go there. But can we offer them a place in the body of Christ? Can we offer them a place as members of our family? Can we offer them a place that even though you're not perfect, you're, you're still wanted? Okay. Here's the best example I have. God changes us. He heals us. He, he reforms us. He, he gives us a new chance in life. But we still carry our scars from that. I had surgery on my knee from a stupid city league softball thing a long time ago. Uh, my knee works pretty much the way it's supposed to now, but I still have a scar. And every once in a while when the weather goes wrong or whatever, I still, it reminds me, oh, yeah, that was a stupid decision. And I'm never playing city league softball again. But I'm going to have this scar until I die or get a new body. And I think dying comes first before you get a new body. Okay? My question for us is, as church, when we sin, we carry scars from it too. We, there, there's, there's still scars from it. My question is, can we look past people's scars? Can we look past their scars? Are we going to keep picking the scab? Can we look past their scars and allow them to be the new creation that God has made? Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the, for the grace that you offer to us that even though we didn't deserve it, even though we have made mistakes, even though we have hurt you, even though we have crossed boundaries with you, even though we have gone completely against your law, you reached out to us. And then, God, you give us the privilege of saying, not only do I accept you 
as your Savior and Lord, but I also accept you as part of my family, as part of my kingdom, and I invite you to be in ministry with me. And we have the wonderful opportunity to be able to take what we've experienced in you and then be a part of offering that to someone else. Lord, help us not to play games in the church. Help us not to send the wrong message. Help us to to find ways to, to shine your grace and your love. Not to get in the way of it. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that maybe they're the omnisimus, they're, they're the one that has done the wrong, would you remind them that, that you love them, that we love them, that there, there is the hope of a brighter future. You, they don't have to be defined by their mistake for the rest of their life. And God, for those of us that are in Philemon's place, would you remind us that we too have been forgiven much? That we too have disappointed and yet you've accepted us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to end our service with uh, by saying,